Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for January 9th, 2023. Featuring poet John Sands leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at our new space at 144 Montague Street in Brooklyn Heights and also live streamed via Zoom. For more information and to sign up for our next job, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Samuel Manfrey, Constantina, Mason Eve, Emile, Zach Pedigo, Megan Gwilt, Liam McLean, Parrish Finn, Ellie Bell, Savannah Lauren, Lindsay Abrams, Michael Cohen, Anne Herondine, Jess Gagne, Colleen Riley, Derek Stays, Inciatage, Arthur Russell, Melissa Roberts, Stella Lee, and last but not least, our own Taylor Molly, one of our workshop teachers. Okay, that's all I got for this intro. I know it's basically usually the same thing as last time and all the other times. Without further ado, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for January 9th. Enjoy. Alright folks, we're going to get started again. I told you you'd have a 7 minute break and you had about a 17 minute break. I <laughs> uh, underestimated the length of the bathroom lines, which uh, held up both our wonderful intern Kayla Schwab at the desk. Let's give her a round of applause. And uh, also held up our featured reader, John Sands. I was like, let's start, but... Kayla wasn't here and John wasn't here, so I was like, we can't do anything. Uh, let's also give Jess Gagne a round of applause. Work in the bar, in the back. <laughs> Shout out to all the people in the back. That's the most people I've ever seen in the back room. The, uh, the Hart Crane room. How many people in here like Hart Crane? All right, that's enough hands, I guess. Let's give Hart Crane a round of applause, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you don't know who Hart Crane is. He's one of the greatest poets ever. Lived in this neighborhood. Also grew up in fucking Ohio, which is also where John Sands is from, where I'm fucking from. Anyone else from Ohio in the room? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's give everyone from Ohio a round of applause. Thank you for being you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we should form Ohio poets. It's occurring, it's occurring to me now. We need, we need, to, have a, we need to have an offshoot called Ohio Poets. There is a Brooklyn Heights, Ohio, if, if you didn't know. Yeah, it's like a suburb of Cleveland. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> when I moved to Brooklyn Heights, I went back to Ohio. I was like, wait a second. There's a, what, does it say Brooklyn Heights, Ohio? <laughs> In any case, um, we are 
ready for the open mic. I'm excited about the open mic. So uh, just to go over the format real quick and to tell you about what happens. So this is an open mic, but there's a lot of things that are happening at the same time the open mic is happening. So every month we record this as a podcast that we call the Yopcast. I'm happy to report that we now have 40 five-star <laughs> reviews on iTunes. So whoever was the person that took us from 39, which is where we were like before the pandemic started, to 40. <laughs> I love you, because now we have like a very round, even number of 40. And 40 is great, but you know what would be amazing is like 400. So if everyone in the room would go home tonight and rate us five stars on iTunes, that'd be amazing. But uh, we record this every month as a podcast we call the Yopcast. If you're reading tonight and don't want to be in the recording for any reason, you can tell me that, and I can edit you out of the recording. It sounds terrible, but, you know, it's your choice. If you don't want to be in the recording, you don't have to be by any means. Every month, also, we vote for Poem of the Month by audience vote, and the 12 winners of Poem of the Month over the course of the year read at our Poem of the Year contest, which many of you attended last December. It was amazing. It was our biggest event of the year. It was incredible. Uh, that was the first time we ever did it in person as a standalone event, so it was really exciting for me. Um, the first winner last month was Kiara DeLelo, who was up here earlier tonight. Uh, so there's 11 spots left. And the way you're going to vote is by texting our number. So write this down, please. And I'm going to say this because uh, I was telling myself we needed to change the voting method, but I didn't have time to do it. <laughs> or to be more honest, I forgot to do it because <laughs> I'm so fucking busy. But I'm going to tell you the number, but I'm also going to tell you something to, to really... Think about your conscience <laughs> and keeping the vote clean, which is to say only the people in this room or on the Zoom can vote. So please do not tell anyone who is not in this room or not on the Zoom the number to vote because you may think you're being sneaky, but it's always super obvious to me <laughs> if somebody has told all their friends to vote because I have like 20 text messages for the same person in like a minute. Uh, and that's just not possible. <laughs> uh, also, it's... It's pretty noticeable when, like, the number of votes is, like, more than the number of people that attended the yacht. <laughs> so just, just between you and me, uh, just be good about the vote. It hasn't happened a lot, but it has happened. It's, it's kind of like plagiarism. It's, like, super obvious <laughs> to the teacher when it happens, and the student thinks they're being really sneaky. Uh, the number to vote for Poem of the Month, after all of that, hopefully you're all now cowed into not cheating, 718 <laughs> uh, At the Poem of the Year contest, we do a paper ballot because we're, we're so concerned about voter fraud. Um, but uh, we may have to do that for the, the Poem of the Month votes. 718-374-1953. Just text me the poet's name. We've got a lot of new readers tonight, which is super exciting. Always happens at the January Yop. We've got a lot of new people in the room. Uh, but before we get to the open mic, we're going to hear from our featured reader, an amazing poet, amazing reader, an amazing teacher, as you all just saw. Give it up for John Sands. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. Thank you to Jason. Thank you to Kayla. Thank you to all of our readers. That was a really, really um, moving workshop. Uh, share out. Um, okay, I'm going to share a poem right now, and I just want to say up front that there is going to be a moment <laughs> in this poem where you think he must be embellishing. <laughs> and I want to assure you that everything that I am about to say happened 
exactly as I am about to say it. This poem is called uh, Ars Poetica, which, um, you know, for you poetry heads out there, it means um, like a poem about poetry. Uh, it is Christmas, and we are childless, walking arm in arm through Rockefeller Center, a place I would rather fly over than through. But Maggie's brother and sister-in-law are in New York, so it is a weekend of all the places we are known by but never go. And we are not quite <laughs> drunk, but there is a lavender gust of possibility as we twist out of the holiday market, emerald green hats, Random cotton balls glued to tents that sell $500 individually made purses and a patch of tourists parts before us as the Rockefeller ice rink emerges in all its fuchsia royalty. And if I told you how much currency was on this one city block, an avalanche of assets, you might wilt or bloom. It's enough to make anyone defensive or delusional. Hundreds of skaters gliding toddlers across the surface of the ice, imprinting their images into iPhones, some holding the hands of their siblings from one shore to the other so hard that if poof, everyone else disappeared, we would marvel at their spectacle. But now, everyone is disappearing. And from our heightened perch on the crow's nest of the plaza, we finally see security in ice skates clearing hundreds of holiday enthusiasts off the most famous ice in America. First, a wave of panic how doom is cousin to confusion. But now, two skaters are left, a man and woman, presumably, holding hands in front of 50,000 people. She looks to the left, then to the right, bathed in billion-dollar Disney Rockefeller lights, and she does not know what is happening. But then, she does. They've stopped in the middle. He is reaching into his pocket. And my immediate thought is how many kids could go to college on the money it costs to shut down Rockefeller Center <laughs> at Christmas. And then if you need the affirmation of 100,000 people for your engagement, it does not bode well for your marriage. And before he hits a knee, as though I have manifested her from thin air, all 150,000 of us realize security left one behind. She is easily on the shallow end of 15 in a white and pink sweatshirt. I am assuming 
from Nebraska, and she does not know how to skate. <laughs> and the security guard now refuses to skate into the empty ice populated by all of our eyeballs. He is at the gate waving his hands like the propeller on a ship moving further and further from the falling girl as she hits the ice and stands and hits the ice and stands again trying to will the gate closer and the man now wanting to take a knee, almost taking a knee or maybe he wants his money back and the girl wants off of the ice or under the ice or the opposite of ice and I am rooting for her. Her emotions so genuine it hurts so available to us all who can't do the one thing she wants us to do which is look away while her new roommates in this forever moment want our eyes all to themselves and I ask you why would you ever pay so much for beauty when it's free thank you so much all right then I told you it was a good reader. <laughs> um, I feel like I heard you read that poem before, but it didn't quite come across <laughs> in, in the same in the same vividness. I must I must have been spacing out last time. That was that was wonderful. Um, I took I took my baby daughter Zoe to Rockefeller Center for the first time uh, like a month ago. And it's just, I feel like it was probably exactly like that in her head. <laughs> like, no, that's what was happening in, in your poem. But uh, it was like that. Like, she'll be like, turn around and she'll be like, oh my God, the microwave. And it's like everything that happened in your poem, <laughs> it's like it's that special to her. It's like, oh, the refrigerator is over there. Holy shit. <laughs> Dad's face. Amazing. Uh, man, seven and a half, seven and a half months. It's, uh, it's something. Yeah. I recommend it. If I, I think I said that before in this room, but uh, if you haven't had a baby before, not that you should all go have a baby after the event, but why is it so serious, by the way? I'm like, totally making jokes, and the entire room is like dead quiet. They're like, they're like, what is he, serious? Is he telling us to get pregnant? Um, but uh, yeah, if you want joy in your life, babies are great deliverers of joy. Okay, on to the open mic, because I've said enough. Our first reader tonight... I hope I get your name right. Is it Samuel Manfrey? That's right. Give it up for Samuel Manfrey, everyone. Hello. Uh, I'm Samuel. I just want to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart for listening. Uh, it's a little bit of an emotional day for me. Today marks my uh, anniversary of two years starting my uh, transition. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and I just, I can't think of a better way to celebrate than being here. Um, this poem is called Crushed Ice. I want to lay on you like crushed ice 
smooth me out. This body isn't mine. I am the projected darkened branch with a hive between my legs, a terrible hive. It has no exit, and bees dart violently till gobs of honey are slipping from my thighs. A restless buzzing stuffs my room, the garage, back and forth, back and forth over the roof, then returns to me. You can't hear me over the buzzing. You can't even see me. I want to lay on you like crushed ice. Smooth me out. I am wrinkled like a horrible secret. Trampled folds folding and creasing. Bald knots blistering over them. Secrets being kept from other secrets. Lies lying to lies. A truth locked so tightly. Chains slice it two more faces. They argue and kiss sloppily. I hate them. I love them. They know me without knowing me. I want to lay on you like crushed ice. Smooth me out. I'm the coil of the pig's tail. Wander the farm. Ask the sheep of me, and they will tell you I admire their wool, and ask if it feels they are embracing themselves. Ask the farmer of me, and he will tell you I often hide in mud rather than splash. He told his wife that evening he planned to slaughter the suffering swine. She honored that action with a slice of pie and a heap of tongue. Ask the horses of me, and they will tell you I trail their side at dawn, snorting and pumping the keep up. I never do. Ask the hill of me, and it will tell you I wait for the horses on its peak. I once waited through two days of snow. When I was about to leave, the only flower in the field convinced me to stay. Ask that flower of me, and it will tell you I still have its last petal, wrapped in the cotton, wrapped in cotton in the filth of my home. I want to lay on you like crushed ice, but before I do, ask me of myself. My nakedness will whisper, my body must melt. Thank you. Incredible. Thank you, Samuel. That's an amazing, amazing poem. Incredible way to start. It's like something in the air tonight. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to hear a bad poem tonight. Uh, we might not even hear like a so-so poem, and every poem I've heard tonight has been incredible. Uh, our next reader we heard from during the sharing session, so we know this is going to be good. Give it up for Constantina. Hi again. So it's the second time you will hear from me tonight, so you have two chances to vote for me. <laughs> okay, so um, this poem is about uh, loss, and the title is Anywhere. They said this would be the last favor to ask, that they understood it was difficult under the circumstances, but I agreed to show our old place to some renters. I left it empty as soon as you left. Now I'm here again. This living room, how well I know it. This is where we put the couch, that second-hand gray thing we were supposed to soon replace. And the coffee maker we turned into a flower vase 
was one sitting on a coffee table right there. At the corner, the blue armchair where you were reading the news, at times falling asleep, at times looking up and smiling, the kitchen skeleton is still there. Remnants of her picture can still be seen on the fridge. Magnets of memories stuck in the memory of my eyes as I open the fridge to show how big it is. I remember when you would cook and ask, should I add all the spices, meaning oregano, cilantro, basil, parsley, and dill, I would answer yes, still. And these knobs we bought from Crate and Barrel that day we entered just because out was too cold? In the bedroom, they asked how we placed things. But you were always changing the bed. First, under the window, to see the stars between the bars. Then, in the middle of the room, should be better, I assume. Then, next to the window, on the right, or maybe left, this memory was theft. But I remember the love we made was the same good love regardless. Same beautiful good love, same great good love. I told them the bed could go anywhere. Thank you. All right, amazing. Uh, wow, that image of the bed shifting. <laughs> Everywhere is going to stay with me for a while. Thank you. Thank you for haunting my imagination with that image, Constantina. So uh, the first three readers are all incidentally sitting at the same table. It's so cute. It's like you all made friends on the way in. Give it up for our next poet, Mason Eve. All right. Hello, everybody. Um, this poem, just to take you back, I wrote it April 2020. Thank you. April 2020, when I had gotten out of the hospital for COVID, where I was for pneumonia in both my lungs, they gave me hydrochloroquine, uh, or however you pronounce it. Uh, so this was what I wrote when I got out of the hospital. It's called Talking to Doves While Battling COVID-19, Part 2. I Google synonyms for cemetery. My room becomes a mass monastery. Each cloth reflects the quality of the hospital it came from a story for another poem, my veins filled with lifelong literary lines. I forget about sugar, pour honey on everything, have sweet moments between me and me. I think that if the mice come back, at least I'll have someone to talk to. Another heart beating in my singular room, I could become a we. How many S words do we need to create safety? I search for sleep, seagulls calling from somewhere salty, flying freely through a forecast that is foggy again today. It is Sunday or Saturday. It is a day that rains and rains, the streets wet, silenced, screams floating in through a window overlooking a new world for the first time. Masked moms wait for the MTA, already memorialized in the mayor's mind. There are people to save and people to save us. It is a sobering time. Which one am I? I watch the boats from the medical center bed. I listen to Whitney and I can't exhale. I sipped the sun seven days ago on my fire escape and almost came. I forget his touch, his laughter, and how I miss him. And these are all good things. I become enmeshed in my own flesh, my paintings, hot coffee, and the moon. Bleak sky in Brooklyn, 
Band-Aids covering babies in Brownsville, where the ambulances still don't arrive on time, but cops always do. Day 23 of symptoms. There's been a decade of death in one month span. Each night, I pray that I don't succumb to being a number on the national news. God, please let me wake again in the morning. And when an ad comes on my screen that says making your own face mask, I imagine crushed lavender on my eyelids and licking avocado off skin, sunflower oil moisturizing a mouth dried out from pneumonia. That is until I read the rest, homemade, cotton, is it breathable, will the virus break in, how many paramedics are needed to protect the poor. I need a bundle of peonies in the pandemic, a garden in my mind to tend and root for the long haul. We are blooming in our basements. And when we leave, the botanical blossoms will no longer be pink and pulsating. There will be green leaves blowing in the midsummer night air. Nature stops for no one. I taste August already. Invisible humidity drifts through doors that are mostly shut as I contemplate death and dying. By the day we are released, I will have a niece that has been born in a time I cannot hold her. How old will she be when we touch? I can see fall coming, crisp October air. Corona haunting us like a ghost who never leaves, just floats above whispering. Always remember me. I am still here. But for now, it is springtime. Sirens have become the symphonies at everyone's funerals. And I wonder if God always sounds like this when she cries. All right, thank you, Mason. Uh, amazing job, this table. Any more? I don't think Libby. I don't think you're reading. I was like, any more readers at this table? Um, yeah, that'd be an interesting job. I taste August already. Amazing phrase from that poem. Anyone with a birthday in August? Only me. Oh, okay. Jess. Jess Gagne. Hey, Jess. That's awesome. Now we're even closer, friends. Um, August is the best month for birthdays. Anyway, our next poet, uh, like Constantina, goes by one name. Is it Emily or Emile? Emile. Give it up for Emile, everyone. Hi. Um, I'm visiting. I am intimidated but very inspired and glad that I came. We do not have poetry like this in Orlando that I've seen. <laughs> this is some professional poetry. Um, all right, I was gonna do another one, but I've checked it out, so I'm gonna do the one that I know. It's good all reliable, okay. Sunflowers face the sun for sun power. I face you for willpower. You can catch me blooming and blushing. Got my heartbeat zooming and rushing. I guess I'm codependent. Sunflowers seem pretty independent, but they're always facing their sun's rays. And sunshine, nobody makes me feel the same way, because you are my fireball. I'll be your sunflower. I won't run, coward. I'll face your rays when you're too bright. Even when I lose my sight, I'll stand through the rainy days, through every season phase. When you're above me, my eyes are raised. And if you love me, I could die today. And there's not one bad thing I could say, cause life amazed me, it's kinda crazy, it's a feeling I'm gonna chase, we aren't even in good places, 
But when I see your face, it's hard to look away. I'll have spots in my eyes all fucking day because I can't stand our goodbyes. I go blind at the sunrise. It happens all the time. I turn it into rhyme. I shouldn't get attached after all the sun always sets, but it's been a beautiful day, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Emil from Orlando. Uh, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a thing. I'm gonna tell the next. <laughs> I'm just thinking of John announcing who's on deck, and Taylor always tell me, tell like who's next before the or after the next poet that you're gonna announce. I'm gonna tell you the next five poets they're gonna read. So the next five poets know when they're coming, but they should know because they signed up and they should have remembered their numbers. The next five poets to read are Zach, Megan, Liam, Parrish, and Ellie. Our next poet is the fifth poet of the evening. It's Zach. Is it Pedigo? Pedigo. Pedigo. Zach Pedigo. Thank you. All right. So it's winter. I suppose it's the right time to read a poem about winter. Last winter this time. Uh, this is called 18 Degrees. Here, see you this winter day, frigid as it ought, this time of year. Body slow to break, blankets warm shell, too late to shower, so a clean face will suffice. The cold makes hermits of many, no doubt, but not the nanny. The boy her charge, left foot, pavement pounding, racing his scooter just as fast as always. Nor the workmen. Blue jeans, steel toes, no hat nor gloves, smoking the last nub of a cig. Expression crusty as ice slipping the curb on Columbus and 74th. I think of warm things. The coffee I will make at my desk. And I chuckle remembering that oatmeal exists, and quite affordably, I'll buy some on my way. I think these things as a lady slips up the stairs. I catch her purse. He helps her up. We aid and are gone. New York is kind this way. Briefly, wordlessly, cold even, but kind all the same. We've all slipped upstairs. We've all spilled our coffee. The night now just as cold. Lips chilled to drunken slurring. Hands fimbly as they fumble the keys. But I don't care. I needed to see Manhattan in her nightgown. Stars peeping over Central Park. Ghosts haunting every last breath. No, I don't mind the cold this moment. I'll rouse a fire. I'll make a warm cup. Put on the good song and lay the day's worry with the birch wood. Thank the Lord for warm hearts and hearths to come home to. All right. Thank you, Zach. Uh, I love that verb. I'll rouse a fire. And uh, I feel like you are wearing the perfect sweater for the image. I love a shawl collar <laughs> cardigan sweater, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, well played, my friend. Our next poet of the evening is Megan. Is it Gwilt? Oh, she's standing right there. Give it up for Megan Gwilt. Hello, 
this is my first time reading in front of people, and if I sound like I'm on the verge of tears, it's because I am. Well, this is mine now, though. <laughs> um, this poem is called That Place Where Magic Exists. In the biggest backyard I ever knew, where we danced in thunderstorms and the Easter bunny hid me eggs and Santa's reindeer ate glitter and oatmeal off the snow, where I chased fireflies for hours and returned to you with clasped hands, hiding the fruits of my labor, where I stared up at you and asked why, over and over, and why does its butt glow like that? And why doesn't mine? And why can't I have a magic butt? <laughs> Where you never shrugged me off and answered every why until I exhausted your imagination and you said, why not instead? In this vast grassland, you led me through life like a gentle shepherd, feeding blades of knowledge. You encouraged every question word, went round and round until I got dizzy. Questioning you was my favorite game, racing to find that dead end that led me to wonder. Most people do not love questions like you and me. When you wonder out loud, you become a nuisance. And if you ask why the ocean is blue, they'll say the refraction of light. And when you ask why it's not pink, they'll say, well, scientifically, instead of what if it was yellow? They do not understand us, how we do not want answers. I do not need to know that thunder and lightning are not the angels bowling, or that a rainbow does not have a real pot of gold, or that Santa does not eat cookies. Does it matter if some things aren't actually magic? And I know it's because sometimes the truth is important and science is real and humans aren't magic and I'd be bullied for having a magic butt. <laughs> but in the biggest backyard I ever knew, magic exists because you're still there. And I sit on this hill where I wondered so many things and all I can think about is your orchids and how they all died with you and how magical it is that they followed you to heaven because I cannot remember they all died because I never asked you how to take care of them. All right. Thank you, Megan Gwilt. Uh, and congrats on your first poem. R truly your second, but uh, your first, the poem that you brought. <laughs> Uh, I was like, wasn't the first one also your poem? Um, anyway, it's semantics. Uh, our next part of the evening is Liam McLean. Give it up for Liam. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> it's my first time here, so very glad to be here. Um, thank you. <laughs> All right, uh, this is called Lyric. Am I to spend one entire bad life going from room to same room? No, I'll go build a new room where people fall down in the fun of a crowd. There will be dim sinks and unremitting shouting, graffiti averring, our living is new. There will be whole plants ignored in a corner. Do you think my friends will visit my room? Mama, will you? Thank you.
Thank you. I like that. That was weird and kind of awesome. <laughs> it's, it's like uncanny and strange. Okay, great shirt, by the way. Um, you have like a Yop fashion shoot, maybe. After one of the shawl collar sweater <laughs> and Liam shirt. And uh, what was it? A lot of people had the green shoes on. Where are you? Don't you have green shoes on? Yeah, show everyone those green shoes. Good job. <laughs> uh, on deck is Ellie Bell. Our next poet of the evening, though, is Parrish Finn. Give it up for Parrish. Um, this poem is called The Path Home. It wasn't a pattern, it wasn't a game. The marks on the path made by stones, yellow leaves, every wild weed, their dropping seeds, every shining puddle, every splash of aster. I couldn't find order, but I think I saw grammar, and I read as I stepped forward step by muddy step. A baby listening to a conversation or an argument is really listening to the music of its mother's voice. From the M train, I am eye level with graffiti. I see soft slopes of letters, natural and sudden as laughter, the effort, the discipline, hanging from the ankles by the roof of a building is hidden. I don't know what it reads, there is no translation, for the path of water over moss in the notes of her voice. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> um, yeah, we can have a table throwdown. That was so good. She was like in and out. She was like, this poem was so good. I am going to speed off the stage. What was that line? Like, I couldn't find order, but I saw grammar. What was that line? Is that what it was? What does that even mean? But it's fucking incredible. <laughs> it's like, I never thought about order and grammar like that before. Um, on deck is Savannah Lorne, but up next is Ellie Bell. Give it up for Ellie. Usually I would do an angsty poem, but I'm going to do a not or less angsty poem. I don't know. Less angsty poem. I don't know. Help! Someone is robbing the Joy Bank. Did you see them just then? They made out with a beautiful woman with fresh-cut spaghetti, hair and freckles like constellations, a voice like starlight, and doughy hands for holding, flower bouquets and freshly sliced grapefruits for morning muffins before each news cycle catastrophe. Then, when the woman no longer held their heart like a banjo worthy of soft strums, like a fire that was not too hot, when she held it like an afterthought, the way you might begrudgingly hold the door open for a stranger you don't want to let into your home but have to, they moved their hand away from the security vault. 
They closed the door. They robbed the joy bank with all the someones who knew how to kiss them, moth to moonlight tender, who said, you are not too much, you are just enough, and understand what it means to say so, which is to say, they got away with living the life they deserved. It was me, you know. I don't like splashing my name around the papers, but I robbed the Joy Bank once, maybe three times, okay, more, and I got away with it. Now it is my daily ritual. Between October and November 2022, I bought $4,000 of my friend's art because life is short and I want to collage tapestries of love inside these four walls like it's nobody's business, like my apartment is the same as the cavities of my hostile heart. I signed up for another poetry class, and yes, it is to hear the sound of my own voice, because <laughs> for the first time in my life, I know that it's okay to speak and to be spoken to, and that anyone who doesn't want to hear me should move further away from the practice area, because I am here, motherfucker, and we all motherfuckers, motherfucker, and as I spit, into the microphone, the way I have a hundred times before on the slam stage, I do not say sorry to anyone. Not to a darkly lit audience in a black box theater in Hollywood that I cannot even see, that may not deserve to know me for the two minutes and 57 seconds I am on the stage spitting freestyle fire about someone who hurt me again. 17-year-old girl who cannot keep her mouth shut. 28-year-old human who has learned I do not have to. So now, a skip hip-hop and a jump across the country in Brooklyn where I spit at Ode to Babel and Books Are Magic and Gingers. As a more fully formed human, I do not apologize to the giants whose shoulders I have stood on to reach the light switch in hard times even when I did not feel worthy of them as stilts. I do not say sorry, not to Sheehan Van Cleef or Jessica Salgado, Rachel McKibbins, not to John Sands or Mahogany L. Brown or Maida Del Valle or Caroline Rothstein or Rudy Francisco, not to Javon Johnson or Jean-Ann Verlee, Andrea Gibson, Shira Ehrlichman or Sarah Kay, not to any of the poets who raised me because they would never tell me to. In fact, Sarah always said and still does when I need to hear it from her now, at two weeks shy of 28, just as I did at 18. Stand up straight. Raise your voice. Speak the poem like you are telling off the boy who just broke up with your best friend and you have nothing nice to say to him. Use your words like you believe you are saying something that matters because you are. So I will not apologize for how loud I am or the urgency in my voice or the philosophies I weave into every line so sure of myself. I will not apologize for being so sure of myself. Dunning-Kruger cocky is okay sometimes when you have seen the valleys of so little self-worth and finally reached the peaks of promise that told me I would find my magic someday. And I am here, motherfucker. And we could all be here, motherfucker, because we all motherfuckers, motherfucker.
So I will suck my emergency savings dry. That is a threat and a promise. Not because there will never be a crisis again, but because loving myself is the only emergency that ever really mattered. All right. Thank you, Ellie Bell. Well, I like not angsty <laughs> Ellie Bell. <laughs> I don't know what angsty Ellie Bell was, but I like that very much. I am here, motherfucker. Fuck yeah. Uh, I believe you used motherfucker as a verb, too, didn't you? <laughs> Which is a great move. Okay, uh, on deck, here are the next five poets. Lindsay Abrams, Michael Cohen, Anne Herondine, Jess Gagne, and Colleen Riley. Our next poet, though, is Savannah Lauren. Give it up for Savannah. This is also my first time doing this. And this is also this is also a poem that's gonna shout out John Sands. I know. Shout out to his poetry workshop, Emotional Historians. This is called Ars Poetica, or when I was little, I was only allowed to use nice words. I think I'm getting a little crazy with permission. I just met the me who wrote a lot of this poem. Every line on this page is shit, in a good way. Bullshit, horseshit, apeshit, batshit. I will have to use the bad words to tell this story. I can't convince you of its consistency. You will have to taste it. Come squelch with me. Half-baked, hella homeschooled, honey baby girl. I scrawl for my precious pining pupa self, taking bows, straightening out, inching her way through a dung heap full of strict directives to not say shit. Swallowing this ish, an earthworm squirming her wormy wake through a trash pile with no compactor. At least if we squish the heart of the matter, we could all wake up as atoms being split, and maybe the goddess of wisdom would be born from a splittingly atomic headache again, and I would know better than to say to my parents at age 11, look how cool. The male penguin fertilizes the female's egg. He poops on her tail, and that's where the babies come from prompting a sex talk, disheveled by reality, <laughs> a fertile ground for learning that life doesn't go with the words we already know, and fertilizes doesn't always mean manure, or the piles you stepped in when chucking the shucked dollar store bread to the pigs on Pawpaw's farm. Sometimes it is what happened in the movie Inception. Words inspiring heists, acts of valor, grand gestures. Sometimes it is the love that your friend shows his wife when she doubts herself and he sends her on vacation with extra money he scraped together to tell her it is good to be loved. And she starts to treat herself that way. And seeds start sprouting in your own head, letting you imagine forests of what's possible. Jungles of great love is coming for me too. Tree stands of leafy deserving. So do not apologize for the pearls you swallowed to keep them safe when you were a worm in the barnyard. Despite your legless loquacity, you have not one, not two, not three, but five hearts beating with the rhythm of realities you reserved for a day of rivulets. That though you are a worm, you are a poet. And every poet is Superman, listening to the tiny screams and little deaths of the atoms in the asphalt, the things we make to cover our substance. 
Sometimes John will say, can you say that thing you wrote in your list in a third way? And you will realize that you can, that it was a worm with five hearts who wrote it, that every heart that beats in your tube screams, I am here, that ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum is Morse code testifying, scatting in one last poop joke, that we are here, that we are allowed, that we are allowed to be loud. All right, thank you, Savannah Lerner. Well, that table is pulling its weight now. So, I, I don't know if this table and that table are in a tie, I think. Uh, Ars Poetica, the, the brilliant pedagogy of John Sands. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, God, you said like five different things in there. I was like, whoa, what is that? Uh, and then the thing that I was gonna repeat, I think I've forgotten. Sometimes life does something you don't know the words for. What was that line? You don't you don't remember either? <laughs> that was an amazing line. Um, anyway, great job, Savannah. Thank you. <laughs> Our next vote of the evening is Lindsay Abrams. Give it up for Lindsay. I wrote this poem in the aftermath of some feedback I received on the poem I read last month. So um, it's called The Novice Poet Considers Arson. It's fine. I'm fine. Um, the way to get away with it, the fire inspector tells us over small talk at a roadside cafe, is by using potato chips. I am collecting poetic phrases, so I write this down. A bag of chips can burn as hot and as bright as gasoline. Something about the combination of gas, starch, and oil. It's a warm, lusterless winter. Milk prices are up 14.7%, they say, and some see a way out through fire. Something about the inflated value of cars. Something about sticking it to the insurance company. It's the fire inspector's job to prove it. He is a collector of details. Burn patterns, beer bottles, gasoline stains, trace remnants of thermoplastics from bags of flaming Hot Doritos and Lay's barbecue. He takes it all home. There, ensconced in his Vermont cabin, he might spend months piecing together his report. I know something of this. Sometimes, he tells us, it all comes together. Often, he admits, it does not. I know something of this, too. Last week, my mentor showed me all the ways in which my poetry is still failing to say what I need it to, and I started over. More careful, more precise this time. Thinking all the while about the arsonists, wondering what it was they burned for, and when they decided to see what flames could do. Yeah. All right, that was great. Thank you, Lindsay. When you mentioned arson, I was like, oh shit, I hope someone, hope someone at Brooklyn Poets didn't say something mean about her poem. <laughs> Gonna burn down Brooklyn Poets. <laughs> um, 
yeah, wow, what a mentor. It's like I was prepared to hate that mentor, but then it seemed to go somewhere good, I think. <laughs> Our next bit of the evening is ready at the desk. Give it up for Michael Cohen. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. It's great to see you. Um, <clears throat> brief introduction to the poem. I've been attending you up since August, and it's become a really important part of my life. It's been great. And uh, over the holiday, catching up with friends and families, I, I, I was talking about it, and I realized after talking about it that I talked in depth, uh, in detail, and extensively about the poems. I've met wonderful people here, but I didn't talk about any of you <laughs> at all. Don't take it personally. It was all about the poems. And then the second, I, I, I was sick over the holiday, so I joined the, uh, the year, you know, the Poem of the Year Awards by Zoom. And I was getting confused because I, am I voting for the poem or the poet? And, and I'm voting for the poem, but the poet gets the award. And I, so uh, being a psychologist, I, I decided to go for professional help. So I asked the poem to, um, to help me understand this. This is the poem who accompanied me to all the ops. She lives on my iPhone. And she responded appropriately, as poems often do, with a poem and uh, asked me to read it to you. <clears throat> so this is a poem written by a poem about poems to Brooklyn poets. <clears throat> when the evening ends and the staff turn out the lights and lock the door, we wait a few moments and then we take form again and join together. You're all on your way home in Brooklyn, the boroughs, Jersey, or on a beacon-guided train ride north. This is now our time of night, all of us. The poems read, the poems kept silent, and the poems not fully composed. We celebrate, first toasting the poem of the month. We know the winner long before votes are counted or even cast. And then we toast each one of us. Some of us get high, some do a few lines, Thank you. Shots of bourbon, and some stay their 12-step course. We keep a close eye. We've lost too many loved ones along the way. We talk, laugh, dance, and sing. You cannot imagine what goes on. It's wilder than your dreams. We, we gather up the stars, rearrange them, and create new constellations. We turn the moon on our axis, allowing the dark side to get some sun. We reverse the tides and capsize the conqueror's ships. And while you're sleeping, we play, slip in, and drive you crazy. We go home at that time of night, that magical moment, when it's no longer today, but not yet tomorrow. We come from somewhere you don't understand, and we have chosen you as our way into the world. As the Buddhists know, like adopted children, we are the oldest souls, reincarnated the highest number of times, and we get to choose our parents. Still, you are as mysterious to us as we to you. We watch and listen. You're so full of pain, love, rage, pride, grief, lust, and hope and humor. We've been telling you now for 4,000 years, over and over, 
beginning in ancient Mesopotamia from the poems of the high priestess Enyuduanna, through Gilgamesh, through Sappho and on, we come from you, but we are not you. Of course, we recommend a name change to Brooklyn Poems. <laughs> and we know that won't happen, and that's okay. <laughs> Remember, we are your children, and raised and ripened in the shadow of your fears, confusions, missteps, and love. And as you send us out into the world, like all children coming of age, struggling to be who we are, fiercely independent, impatient to take our place and change the world. We are ourselves. And please, don't confuse the poems with the poets. Thank you. <laughs> all right, all right. Your table is your table is close. Your table is pulled pulled into a close third. <laughs> well, Parrish and Michael have read. You, we need a third. I mean, you're gonna read soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was great, Michael. Thank you. Your poem reminded me, uh, how many of you know that poet critic Alan Grossman, who died a few years ago? Uh, he's a brilliant uh, man, great Hart Crane. I found out about him because he was a great Hart Crane scholar. And uh, he has this amazing moment in one of his, his books. He says that uh, poets don't create poems. Poems create poets. Uh, yeah, let that sink in. <laughs> there was a room-wide, mmm. <laughs> you all like that? <laughs> All right, good. Well, go read some more Alan Grossman because uh, he's a smart guy. Uh, very wise poem, Michael. Thank We're not going to change the name, but uh, thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> Our next poet of the evening is Anne Herendine. Give it up for Anne. Table three in the house. <laughs> This is, <clears throat> this is called The Star. It's the starring role. Already I know they don't give good parts to deformed girls, but here I am, six years old, my first Christmas pageant, in my mother's cut-down blue party dress, clip-on hoop earrings, a scarf over my head, holding a doll wrapped in a blanket, Mary, the mother of baby Jesus. And wait, what the fuck? I have no lines. I just sit there, saying nothing. The angels, the shepherds, the three wise men, Joseph, my husband, hell, even the sheep and the cow have lines even if just ba or moo. Only I, me, Anne of the pretty face and fugly hands, am silent. In the beginning was the word. In Luke I say, my soul doth magnify the Lord. But here, on this stage, 
I am given no words. There are no words for me. I am no one. Don't you know who I am? I am Mary, mother of God. I hold my plastic voiceless son, the son of God, while children dressed in robes and skins stand around me, speaking. Jesus H. Christ, wait until your father gets home. <laughs> Is Anne at your table? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess it's a tie now. That was, uh, that was great. Man, some poets read, I'm like, I need to get a drink with that poet. We need to get drinks, Anne. <laughs> You're my kind of poet. Uh, Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> what a great ending. Our next poet of the evening has an August birthday. Give it up for Jess Gagne. <laughs> Thank you. Um, as usual, I did not have anything to read when I got here, but thank you, John Sands, because now I do. <laughs> um, and it even has a title, and I think it's called Lime. When I met a stranger at Union Pool at 2 a.m. last weekend, I was eating tacos. And he squeezed my hand anyway, crushing the lime. The sting of the citrus we shared shocked me, made me think about what it might be like to love someone new and how each person I met since the last time we spoke for the last time takes up some of the space inside me that I once thought was meant for you, and I want to feel someone else's teeth with my tongue for a change. I want more of the electric joy of green citrus on my palm. I'm ready to do this right, and I want to make something that struts and frets its hour upon the stage in a parallel way to this life, charged with the same indiscriminate current consciousness. And I can have it all. The memory of my memory is my friend. I don't have to give up any, oh, I don't have to give anything else up in exchange for once choosing the pain of loving what I can't have. I can feel the lime juice on my hands, cleaner than expensive soap. All right, thank you, Jess. Let's hear it for August birthdays once again. Who is booing? <laughs> Was that that table? Uh, you guys are, now you're in fourth. Uh, amazing job, Jess. Arnica, union pool, man. I haven't thought about union pool since, <laughs> definitely since before the pandemic. God damn, that's probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> is that place still around? Okay, let's, I, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> Our next poet, I'm going to tell you the next five poets on deck. We're getting close to the end of the night. We've got uh, Colleen Riley, then Derek Stays. It, I'm not sure if it's Incy, is it Incy Ataj? Wow, I got it. And then Arthur Russell at the table not to be named, and <laughs> Melissa Roberts. Our next poet is Colleen Riley. Give it up for Colleen. This is called Candles at Café Gourmand. 
<laughs> can't get it right. Um, candles at Cafe Gourmand. You order whiskey on the rocks. Quick lit of a cigarette cuts the tumble of waves. Shades of green ripple west as cafe candles sink with stars. I wonder how long the boats, boats will stay. And the one you remind me of when you side mouth a joke and smile without your teeth. The water and light continue and switch and continue and switch. And I apologize, and you do too. And we hug in the middle of palm trees. OK, thank you, Colleen. Uh, that was great. That was great and quick. I'm glad I got those photos in. That also got a room wide mm, at the end, which is always a good sign. Our next vote of the evening is Derek Stays. Give it up for Derek. Uh, I wrote this for um, Brownsville, Brooklyn, where I'm from. Um, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> It's called uh, Project Pain. I'm sure Brooklyn natives could get it. I used to have, uh, I, I used to have dreams of like, I used to think, forget this nickel and dime drug dealing. Truthfully, I had dreams of big, like bigger dreams, like owning our old building, like renting out apartments and starting a legit business. Sadly, we, we probably always just use it to get high and drunk in the hallways just to keep our sanity from losing friends constantly. We lost so many, we never got a chance to mourn properly. Probably because we never discussed how we feel. I mean, witnessing your kin and kids get killed can make the most faithful person question if God is even real while surviving survivor's guilt. On top of the constant stress, explain why minds a mess. I done seen some lose their minds over less. I guess all that ABV and THC couldn't fix our PTSD. Believe you me, I know our childhood environment was the furthest place from perfect. We shared a lot of deep conversations, so I know it's a lot you hide under the surface. That got you feeling worthless, wondering life is even worth it, running these streets all night, looking for your purpose, trying to mask it behind Zans, Mollies, and Perkin, but the first step to stopping pain is admitting that you hurting. I told you you could lean on me but you'd rather lean or lean. I come back home and can't tell the difference between the dealers and fiends. Codeine and promethazine? That's no remedy for depression and anxiety, but by no means am I judging you. I know you're just trying to stay sane too. So I didn't leave because I finally given up. I left because I couldn't bear to watch you self-destruct. I'm so sorry I couldn't save the both of us. Thank you. God damn, God damn, Derek stays. Great poem, thank you. It's gonna be hard to choose tonight, folks. Number to vote once more, 718-374-1953. Amazing suit, Derek. We're gonna have to add you to the Yop fashion shoot after, after the open mic ends. Our next vote of the evening is Inciataj. Give it up. Happy New Year, everyone. 
This is called Something Alive. The remedy for a broken heart is old boy. I said I want to eat something alive. I'm 30, and I watch a man swallow a screaming octopus whole, its pink tentacles thrashing, a drowning sailor's last lullaby. I'm 30, and I've cried all day. I'm 30, and my body is a ledger of hope. My father's cardamom-scented kiss against my temple. My mother's parade of prayers, each float more daring than the last. September is plump with rain. You bought me a thermometer. Do you remember? For days, I willed myself a fever to taste your kindness. My friend suggests acupuncture, another way to get stuck. I miss you most when I crave strawberries, a pathetic greed disguised as hunger. I sweat from Manhattan to Brooklyn, attempting to escape your mouth, curling over the Arabic vowels in my name, Insia, silky, like cracked egg, yolk, egg yolks dripping into a bowl. I feel most alive when betting on the wrong horse. Come home, we miss you. Virginia is for lovers and I am kindling. My mother fries potatoes for biryani, stirs the mustard seeds until they hiss. She listens to Celine Dion humming along. She sighs, there's God in her voice. There's God in my mother's voice. My mother was once 26 and crossed, crossed an ocean from Karachi to Pittsburgh to hear my voice. I mean, I'm sorry, I snapped at you today. Anxiety crosses the placenta, I'm sure of it. Was I restless from conception, difficult to please even then? Months later, I ask a boy who likes me to kill a cockroach. He braves the stickiness of June and the L train to be someone's hero. Silently, I pass him a crumpled plastic bag from yesterday's takeout, a slash of red illuminated like a warning. Thank you. The tenderness with which he cradles his prey leaves me envious. He throws his chivalry down a trash chute while I stagger behind a funeral procession of one. Perhaps I am made precious when someone wants to hide an ugliness from me. Isn't this too a luxury to be hurt with such mercy? Thank you. Uh, what table are you at? <laughs> Man, that was, it's gonna be hard to choose. Uh, oh boy, what a great movie. You're talking about the movie, right? The Korean film? Yeah, how many of you seen that film? Yeah, good for you. Good job. It's good to know people are still watching films. That's a fucked up film, but like pretty, pretty amazing at the same time. Uh, okay, our next poet is waiting patiently from this table that is apparently in the running for the best table. Give it up for Arthur Russell. <laughs> Demar Hamlin's number is three, same as table number three. So I wanted to thank John for a great workshop, and I wanted to thank Jess for that extra glass of wine that I didn't pay for. And um, I also wanted to tell you that next, on February 1st, Bridget Duffy and Seth Leeper, two of the all-stars of the YAWP, are going to be reading at the um, Red Wheelbarrow Poetry Reading Series in Rutherford. So I'm going to leave out a couple of these flyers on the table. You can pick one up on your way out. And, um, you know, Kayla knows the way out to New Jersey, so it's a good thing to do. We're in Rutherford. And I don't know what to say about this poem except that I started to write it as I was reading Middlemarch 
by George Eliot, and there was a line somewhere around page 650 of that book in which she was talking about some guy and said that he moved as slow as an hour hand, and I misread it as he was an hour hand. I wrote this poem. Um, it's called Daybreak. That man is an hour hand on his swiftest day. But hours, in their own way, mount up faster than minutes do. Ask the days, they'll tell you. The only thing faster than they are are the vanishing weeks, the rent-paying months, and the weightless years that meet at the end of an alley of trees. And there he is, ponderous and sweet, an hour hand of a man in a clockwork of clockworks. A windowsill of a man, just right for holding a bottle of beer and an upside-down bottle cap for an ashtray. And when the sash is raised, displaying all the dead bugs amid the black miscellaneous pollenous dust that is poutingly obvious evidence that time has slept here and then gone on to wrinkle other sheets. A furnace of a man, a basement pharaoh, and the heat of him with eyes as kind as pilot lights and his arms raised through the house in welcome. He is an open drawer filled with door hardware, a pig iron counterweight of a man, an unexpected cavity in the wall behind an embroidered depiction of a purple pansy in a dark wood frame. And as I come down the stairs at first light, I see him sitting at the table in the screened-in porch, eating berries, nuts, and sour cream from a big glass bowl, while the red-bellied woodpecker on the other side of the screen, always first to the suet block at dawn, eats breakfast with him. Thank you all, and come out to, come out to Rutherford. And that's Michael and Anne and Parrish. They're all from table number three. All right, let's hear it for Arthur Russell and table number three. Great job. Rutherford, New Jersey is a good place. Middlemarch, great book. How many of you have read Middlemarch? Wow. There's a lot of hands. <laughs> I was not expecting to see that many hands. This is like a George Eliot crowd. All right, good for you all. Um, we are down to two more points on the main list, and we're going to get to one point of the waitlist because we always got to get to at least one. We're already at 9.15. So I realize we're getting close to the end of the night. It's Brooklyn Heights. It's basically like 12.15 a.m. Brooklyn Heights time. Our next poet of the evening, uh, well, let me tell you who's on deck, Stella Lee, and then put off the wait list, Taylor Molly. Our next poet of the evening, though, is Melissa Roberts. Give it up for Melissa. Um, I've been trying to apply, uh, apply, submit work <laughs> to some journals, and 
I have trouble, always had trouble putting together personal statements. So I wrote my, uh, the personal statement I would love to submit. <laughs> and <laughs> not all of it is factual. Uh, this is called Cover Letter Manifesto. I would shag a famous lad, Hugh Grant, Keith Richards, or any of those British heartthrobs who have gracefully aged into geezers, just to prove a point. Which of us is the better artist? Hugh gets 90 minutes of screen time. Keith gets three minutes before the DJ cuts to another song. I'll give you the next two stanzas. Today, I am here to apply for the poet laureate position. You will see I am very well qualified for the role. I received my MFA in fiction from the esteemed Iowa University. My work has appeared in numerous publications, including Hustler Magazine, The New York Times, and Tumblr.com. <laughs> I live in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, with exactly one cat. I would relish the opportunity to castrate myself before you, along with Sylvia Plath, Anne Sexton, Emily Dick Dickinson, and uh, wait, sorry, I'll have to Google another female poet later. <laughs> Anyways, one of the greats. Thank you for your consideration. I appreciate you hearing me out, and I do hope that in time you will find my work speaks for itself. Thank you, Melissa. That was a timely, necessary poem. <laughs> the, the, the creative writing bio is a special genre of its own. <laughs> if you've ever edited an anthology and uh, edited bios, it is not an easy task because uh, the sentences that are written are quite elaborate. Um, but uh, what you read, it's just funny, like adjectives like numerous. <laughs> Numerous publications, or like uh, the phrase, like among other places, <laughs> these, are like, these are like staples of every bio, or like the cover letter. It always like, thank you for your consideration. Like, why the fuck do we say this? <laughs> like, thank you for your consideration. Like, you never say that to anybody, but you put it at the end of a cover letter. It's hilarious. Um, we should all decide, like in this year, to stop saying those things. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say instead, but just don't say thank you for your consideration. Thank you for, thanks for reading. How about that? That's great. Our next poet has been waiting patiently while I blather along. Give it up for Stella Lee. Happy New Year, everybody. This poem is about sleep, so it's called Before Sleep. On a cold winter night, the muffled sounds of our home in the stifled pause of another day. Your voices echo through walls and I claw my way in search of sleep. As the weight of my breath presses out of my belly, this gnawing digs deep into a darkness that feels too much like a new home. The way my body drips into the mattress as my limbs release into a sweet hum of numbness. In this moment, I wonder about our love and contemplate the sweetness of a love stretched slowly over a lifetime 
and how much bitterness it can collect. Versus a love charred by a few fiery years. I wonder if me loving you is enough to abandon your family and your country, enough to piece together this new life between oceans and continents apart, where you are perpetually a foreigner, and your children that straddle this in-between of not here and not there. Is this a life you hoped for, to love a woman whose light might burn too bright and be snuffed out with the hiss of night giving in to the dawn? I wonder this as the sheets grow heavy, my chest fighting to pull in more air, Wonder if loving you will last beyond us. Will this love reach the next life? Will our atoms remember the touch of cold fingertips seared into my upper back for warmth? Remember the heaviness of a long day where we choose to come back to each other. I hope within this weight of a winter sky and all the lights of this city burning through the night, that there is something near starlight that will lead us to each other and our home again. Thank you. Thank you, Stella. Beautiful poem, as always. That is our 2022 Robin Romeo Award winner, Stella Lee. Give, give her one more round of applause. Our final poet of the evening is Taylor Molly, who incidentally is teaching our first drop-in class tomorrow at 12 noon, if you want to come take that. Give it up for Taylor Molly. This is called... Thank, God, thank goodness I got to read this poem at the January Yawp because no one besides the people in this room tonight will understand it. Or don't confuse the poets with the poems. Or are you telling me the mother of Jesus H. Christ doesn't get a one fucking line? <laughs> or thank you for your consideration among other places. <laughs> I'm not so much a poet as I am a collector of odds and ends, and tonight I feel as though I am among friends, so what I say and what I write might depend on what I hear tonight. For instance, I might say, let's talk about babies and the joy and the chaos of the storm. Let's talk about why you shouldn't be intimidated by form. Watch out, you might get what you're after. Cool babies, strange but not a stranger. John Sands is no ordinary guy. You wanna know why? John Sands actually likes changing diapers because he shoots hoops with the poops in the hamper. And he loves ampersand so much he might name his next child Amper. 
Poetry is a loaded pistol, the hammer quietly cocking. Poetry is an octopus, all eight arms popping and locking. Let's hear it for the poetry we've heard tonight, the raising and the mixing of voices. And let's hear it for Jason Koo and the awesomeness of all of his choices. <laughs> and while you're at it, let's hear it from me. 718-374-1953. What can I say? Words are my fallbacks. My poetry is nothing but callbacks. I want a baby to deliver my joy, to lie on me by, like crushed ice. I need the affirmation of 150,000 pairs of eyes. I refuse to apologize, motherfucker, for the poetry in my magic butt or my belly. I won't apologize to Kiara, Michael Cohen, Savannah, or Ellie. Do not apologize just because you're able, not to Aladi Pupo, Jess Gagne, or anyone at any table because who isn't visiting from somewhere? Who isn't intimidated by this show? Who isn't secretly wishing they could winter in Orlando? <laughs> New York is kind that way, busy as a bee, quiet as a mouse. Thank you for haunting my imagination, which is to say congratulations on burning down this house. Thank you. <laughs> All right, all right. It's almost like we planned that. Uh, maybe we should have you first on the wait list every month. Uh, that was a great reverb and a great uh, prelude to going back over the open mic lineup. I'm going to tell you the number again to vote. Remember not to tell your friends who are not here to vote for you. <laughs> I was like, what are the ethics of telling your friends to vote for someone else? That would be interesting. But don't consider it. <laughs> Only vote once using your own cell phone. Uh, I'm sorry to all the people we couldn't get to on the wait list, uh, many of whom read for this open mic often. The tickets for the next open mic, which is on February 13th, you might have seen a flyer on one of these tables. It will be led by Korean-American poet, sister poet to me, Eugenia Lee, an amazing poet. He's got a new book coming out very soon. Uh, tickets for that go on sale at 9.30. And at 9.30, you can sign up and get one of the 10 coveted reserved open mic spots. Those go in like one minute. So maybe not one minute, but they go very fast. So uh, if you want to get one of those spots, um, sign up at 9.30. Otherwise, show up at the door. <laughs> Doors open at 6 p.m. Second Monday of every month. Okay, to go back over the list, 718-374-1953 is the number to vote. Just tell me the poet's name. You just heard from Taylor Molly, who shared the number during his poem. <laughs> so you would know it. Before that was Stella Lee, Melissa Roberts, Arthur Russell, Incia Taj, Derek Stays, Colleen Riley, Jess Gagne, Anne Herendine, Michael Cohen. I'm just taking a break, because that was like 10 poets. <laughs> then we had Lindsay Abrams, Savannah Lauren, Ellie Bell, 
Parrish Finn, Liam McLean, Megan Gwilt, Zach Pettigo, Emil, Mason Eve, Constantina, and Samuel Manfrey. I think we had 21 poets total. Again, 718, <laughs> I'm about to tell you, 718-374-1953. It's also, incidentally, the Broken Poets number. So if, if you forget, just Google Broken Poets. You'll see the number on Google, 718-374-1953. Just text me the poet's name. Do not call and leave a voicemail with your vote, because that will just be ignored. <laughs> text me, 718, text us, 718-374-1953, and, and do so tonight, or at the latest, by tomorrow morning, because that uh, is when we count all the votes. Uh, let's give it up one more time for John Sands for leading an amazing workshop tonight. An amazing kickoff to 2023. His latest book, It's Not, from, it's Not Magic, is for sale up here. I think we have four copies left. It's an amazing book, uh, and uh, you should get a copy if you don't have one already. Um, other announcements, I've told you at the beginning. <laughs> Dropping classes begin tomorrow. We're opening in tomorrow. It's going to be amazing. 11 a.m. to 6. We're going to have coffee, tea. If you don't know how uh, this space is during the day, a lot of people are so confused. You can basically use it like a, it's, it's like a cafe that's not really a cafe, but we have coffee and tea. We just don't call it a cafe because we would have to have a food service permit for that shit. But uh, you get great coffee, and it's cheaper. It's by donation, and you can work here all day. It's uh, free Wi-Fi. You can... Uh, write poems, do anything writing or book related would be great. What we don't like is for people to come in and just like take business calls with like the, like the thing in their ear and we're like, who are they talking to? And it's like, they're, they're like on a business call. You can do that, it's frowned upon. <laughs> uh, Drop-in classes begin tomorrow with Taylor Molly's 12 p.m. called Everyone Knows, Seth Leaper's teaching class on playing with the sun at 5 p.m. But there's a lot of other amazing classes. Check out this flyer, there's QR codes, take you to the website. Fall workshops, fall workshops, winter, spring workshops, early registration is underway. Again, if you want to apply for a fellowship, do so by January 29th, I believe it is, three Sundays from now. Early registration ends February 12th. Again, the number to vote, 718-374-1953. Our next YOP, second Monday of the month, I believe is February 13th, led by Eugenia Lee, an amazing poet and friend of mine. Okay, that is it. Tickets for that go on sale at 9.30 p.m. Thanks for listening. Rate us five stars on iTunes. It'd be amazing. We'll see you next month. All right, good night. All right, there you have it, the Broken Poets Yop open mic. For January 9th, 2023, our first Yop of the New Year, and we wish you a happy new year, all of you devoted Yopcast listeners. Thanks to the man, John Sands, for leading one of the best Yop workshops I've ever seen. I mean, people think I say that a lot, and uh, it's not like I never say it, but I don't say it a lot, uh, and I only say it if I really mean it. <laughs> It really, truly was one of the best workshops, uh, not only because John was amazing teaching it, but because the poems that people wrote and shared were just incredible. Uh, you don't get to hear those poems on the Yopcast because uh, we only record the open mic. So if you want to hear the poems that people share at the end of the workshop, you got to get a ticket and come to the Yop or watch it on Zoom. Tickets are already on sale for the next one. 
which will be led by Eugenia Lee on February 13th. That is uh, about three weeks from now. I'm recording this on January 24th, so we hope you'll come out for that. Congrats to first-time Yopper, I think, a Yop debuter, Anne Herendine, for winning Yop Poem of the Month in February by audience vote for her uh, truly staggering poem, The Star. Uh, terrific poem, Anne has earned a spot in our 2023 Yop Poem of the Year contest, which will come your way in December of this year. Uh, and she's earned a tote bag as well, which uh, incidentally we have just reordered and uh, we'll soon have back in stock at our store at 144 Montague Street and online for all the people to purchase who have been dying for lack of an amazing tote bag. Uh, a couple of announcements about things coming up. We've got a lot of things coming up, Broken Poets. Uh, we're currently in the middle of early registration for our Winter Spring Workshops. This Sunday, January 29th, is our deadline for fellowship applications if you want to take a workshop for free or at reduced cost. And then two weeks after that, Sunday, February 12th, is our early bird registration deadline. You can get $15 off until February 12th if uh, you're not interested in applying for a fellowship. Perhaps you already got one and are not eligible anymore. You can take advantage of that early bird discount. If you get a membership, get $25 off at any time. And you don't have to pay attention to any deadlines. Uh, a few events coming up. I won't tell you about all of them because there's many, but this Friday, January 27th, our next Friday night open, which is an open mic followed by two featured readers. Uh, this month's featured readers are Madeline Phillips, well-known yawper to many of you because uh, she has been a Yawp Home of the Year finalist and last year was a co-runner-up for Yawp Home of the Year Award. Madeline is featuring along with Carl Iglesias, a Brooklyn Poets Workshop alum. The following Friday is the first open house we're going to have at 144 Montague Street. That's a free event and an opportunity for people to meet our teachers, staff members, board directors. That starts at 6 p.m. We're going to have food and drinks for that. Saturday, February 1st, sorry, 4th, Roberto Carlos Garcia's book launch at Brooklyn Poets. That will begin at 7 p.m. That's a ticketed event. And on the following Monday, February 6th, Jose Olivares' book launch that we are co-presenting with Books Are Magic. That's also a ticketed event. So uh, check out our Instagram. You can get links to all of these events on our link tree. I'll tell you about one more, Friday, February 10th, our next Book and Poets reading series event, a free event featuring Brion Janet, Joanna Furman, and Don Lundy Martin. Okay, and I told you about the Yop, February 13th. That pretty much brings us up to speed for the next several weeks. Uh, thanks for listening. If you haven't rated us on iTunes, we'd hope you would do that and rate us five stars. Helps more listeners find these amazing poets. And uh, we'll catch you in February. Thanks for listening. Take care.